0: Welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, where two pediatricians discuss child health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg, and I'm here with Dr. Lena Rothstein from UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. So I'm Dr. Dean.
1: And I'm Dr. Lena.
0: I'm a pediatrician who's been practicing for over 30 years.
1: And I'm a pediatrician just at the beginning of my career.
0: So I'm used to tried and true practices, and I am generally wary of new recommendations because I'm thinking, if it's working, why should we bother changing?
1: And I'm always interested in learning new perspectives and why policies and advice changes over time.
0: So we have different practices and approaches, but our goal is the same. We want to optimize children's health and their development, and we want to make sure that parents understand current recommendations and are comfortable with why policies are the way they are.
1: Our podcast is mainly aimed for parents, but pediatricians and other healthcare providers might find our discussions beneficial as well.
0: And children might want to get a behind-the-scenes look at what their parents are listening to so that they can discuss these issues with their parents.
1: That brings us to today's topic. Hey, my name is Brynn. I'm from San Diego. I am a mom to 18 month old and I'm always trying to reduce my daughter's exposure to harmful substances, try to buy organic, the whole shebang. So my question is, do you guys have any tips that you have for parents to reduce our kids' exposure to these types of chemicals and preservatives? And what are the consequences of exposure to them? And yeah, what we can do in our daily life to prevent it. All right. Thank you so much. Bye.
0: <laughs> Sounds like her her kid was really into it also.
1: You know what? I think Bryn brought up a really important topic because food additives, whether direct so added directly to the food or indirect coming in contact with our food. Is becoming a really important topic to talk about.
0: I, I know I hear a lot about that from parents and you know my neighbors and other people um, talk about that, but you know we don't have to worry about that anymore, right? Because all the dangerous additives have been removed.
1: You know what? Think again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there's no red dye number two and all the stuff that I remember hearing that was dangerous. That stuff's been out of there, right?
1: actually wrong there's been increasing appreciation for other food additives and their short and long term health effects
0: so what kind of concerns are there about these food additives
1: some of these food additives can cause things like endocrine disruption
0: endocrine disruption so that's hormones and it's hormones which are important for like a, a whole bunch of reasons right
1: yeah they hormones that can affect our brain development other organ development sometimes can lead to cancers things like that
0: So what are we talking about? What are some of the food additives that we should be concerned about?
1: I think that this is really important, and we should talk about all of them for parents. I just want to warn the parents that there's going to be a list of these chemicals, and we'll talk about sort of their names and what their health effects are.
0: So you're going to be giving us a chemistry lesson.
1: (laughs) A little bit. And so I'm just preparing parents that some of these words are even hard for me to pronounce, and so just bear with us. Okay? OK, well,
0: let's start off with start off with some easy ones that like, maybe everybody's heard of.
1: Let's start off with nitrates and nitrite.
0: So I've heard of those. And why are they added to food?
1: They're preservatives. So they make your foods last longer. Sometimes they preserve color and they can make food look more attractive.
0: Well, that sounds like they're very useful. So what foods are they usually found in?
1: They're most commonly found in meats, especially cured meats and deli meats like hot dogs, salami, bologna.
0: And those are important for kids because kids love hot dogs, <laughs> kids love bologna, and, the, and yet we want to make sure that they're preserved so they stay healthy. So what are the concerns about nitrates and nitrites? How can they affect kids?
1: Nitrates and nitrites are carcinogens. So
0: they cause cancer?
1: They cause cancer, wow. they disrupt thyroid hormones, so there's a lot of issues with nitrates and nitrites.
0: Hmm. I've also heard of indirect food additives. What, what are these?
1: So indirect food additives are less things like nitrates and nitrites which are in the food, but more things that come in contact with our food, such as packaging materials and storage materials.
0: So what ingredients are we talking about?
1: They're adhesives, dyes, coatings, paper, plastic, things like that.
0: And so what are some of the specific indirect food additives that, that people should be concerned about?
1: So the first one we're going to talk about is bisphenol.
0: Bisphenol.
1: Yeah. So okay. a lot of parents may have heard about this. I felt like it was a really big deal with our water bottles. You may uh-huh. have seen that BPA free that. on your water bottles.
0: Yeah. I've heard um, of B- so this is BPA?
1: BPA. Bisphenol A. Okay. Um, Is one of the big ones we can talk about first.
0: How are they used for food? You mentioned plastic?
1: Yep. So they're used in plastic containers, specifically polycarbonate plastic containers. And they're also found in um, beverage cans. So sometimes they line cans to prevent corrosion.
0: So those are the, um, the kind of plastic liner inside a can. When you open up a can of beans or something, it's all really smooth. It's not like direct metal. Is that what we're talking about? That's
1: exactly what we're talking about.
0: Okay. So that sounds important because we don't want the cans to corrode. But what's the concern with BPA and bisphenols in general?
1: Yeah. So exposure to bisphenols can lead to endocrine disruption. It can cause neurodevelopmental delay. Well,
0: we value neurologic and developmental maturation, so that seems significant.
1: It is significant. And it also can increase the risk of developing obesity, which we know leads to a whole host of other complications down the line.
0: Are there other indirect food additives that we should be concerned about?
1: There are. So the next thing that we can talk about is phthalates.
0: I've heard of phthalates. Where, Where are these found?
1: These are found in clear plastic food wraps, plastic tubing, storage containers, and it's also a lot in food manufacturing equipment. So we can't really avoid it, it seems like.
0: So I heard this study recently. It was in the media, and there were articles about it. Something about mac and cheese, and I think it had to do with phthalates. Do you you remember that one?
1: Yeah, I read that article, too. It was so alarming. It was that, like, most of the mac and cheese our kids consume— has phthalates in them, a measurable amount of phthalates.
0: The box mac and cheese.
1: Exactly. Uh So it's almost like seeping in. They said not not from the box, but from the equipment that's being used to manufacture all of this. And
0: how does it get in there?
1: It's just coming in contact. The food as it's processed is coming in contact with this machinery.
0: I remember that. Now you're reminding me. I remember that. And what I remember was that in the manufacturing (laughs) equipment, there's like plastic tubing and... I think what they said was that the phthalates bind well to fat and the cheese mix, the powdered cheese mix is high in fat. And so when these plastic tubing things, they like shoot that cheese mix out, it like really binds to that. So it's, yeah, so it gets in there even though it's not like an added ingredient.
1: Yeah. So honestly, sometimes it seems like there's no way to avoid these, but they can be super dangerous. The toxins in them are toxic to our heart muscle. Wow. They cause oxidative stress to cells, which basically means that... Our cells are dying from exposure to them.
0: And we know that, like, for example, we, I guess we don't need to get into all the physiology, but, like, antioxidants are good, so oxidative stress is bad.
1: Exactly. Is that right? Exactly. And these as well can cause increased risk of obesity.
0: Okay, so we've talked about a lot of chemicals. Are there any other ones of concern?
1: Unfortunately, there are. So the next are PFCs. Bear with me while I pronounce this. Perfluoroalkyl chemicals.
0: (laughs) Okay. And how do they contact food?
1: They're in grease proof paper and packaging containers.
0: So when you go out to dinner or something and there's leftovers, they commonly put that in there to line those paper or cardboard containers because you don't want it like leaking all over your car seat when you drive home. So that's an important thing to have. But you're saying that could have some potential effects too?
1: Exactly. So I'm not suggesting that families bring a reusable container when they go out to bring their leftovers home in. But when they come home, they may want to transfer from that, you know, anti-grease lined takeout container to something that might be glass at home.
0: And why? What are the potential effects?
1: So PFCs can weaken our immune system, they can disrupt the endocrine system, and they also increase risk for obesity. And if you're exposed to some of these while you're pregnant, the studies have shown that your baby may have a lower birth weight when they're born.
0: And that leads to a whole host of problems later, right? Lower birth weight leads to unhealthier children, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's a lot of chemistry that we're hearing about. But so so is there any more that we need to hear about?
1: I want to talk about one more. Just one more. Oh, just one more. Although there are many more that we aren't going to get to cover today. Mm -hmm. The last one is perchlorate.
0: What is that? How does it get into food?
1: It's an anti-static agent, which is used in food packaging, which is really interesting because initially I was like, Food static—that's kind of odd, right?
0: Well, I guess you wouldn't want to get shocked by your food. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, but they put this in food packaging, and when exposed, it can also disrupt thyroid hormones.
0: So these chemicals have concerns, but there's—they also have a lot of benefits. I mean, they make our lives easier. They make food last longer. They look makes food look more attractive. Prevent corrosion. It's easier to take out food, and nobody likes static, right? So, but. What about the possible effects on children? Because these are really alarming, all these things, talking about stuff like cancer. I mean, nobody wants to increase their child's risk of cancer. And we value normal neurologic and behavioral and intellectual development. What about this hormone disruption that you mentioned?
1: Yeah, so this endocrine disruption or hormone disruption, this is a really complicated Process, even for medical providers, get like let alone parents to try and wrap their heads around. I'm
0: telling you that I remember in medical school all the endocrinology and the hormones, that was really confusing to me.
1: Yeah. So the way that we can break it down is early in life, these hormones help our organ systems develop. They help our brain develop. They help our reproductive organs develop normally. So disruptions early in life, especially when a woman is pregnant or in a really young child, can lead to really alarming effects.
0: So disruption of the hormones, that can result in organs not developing normally.
1: Yeah including reproductive organs. So like your ovaries or your gonads and your thyroid hormone.
0: Wow. Well, those are important. I mean, when people have children, they also start thinking about like having grandchildren and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So we wouldn't want to like mess with reproductive organs. But you also mentioned thyroid hormone effects. Why is this important?
1: That's important because these substances like PFCs and perchlorate may cause hypothyroidism. That means low thyroid hormone. And when you have low thyroid hormone, especially in the newborn period, it can lead to developmental delay and making the brain not developing normally.
0: Now, you also mentioned obesity. How do these chemicals increase that risk?
1: Some of these chemicals convert our normal cells into fat
0: cells. Well, that doesn't seem... Fair, in a way. I mean, th- it seems like you'd want to avoid those.
1: Yeah, and because they convert some of our normal cells to fat cells, they also increase our risk of diabetes. How? They disrupt the pancreas' normal function. So our pancreas is an organ that secretes insulin, and insulin is a hormone that's important for glucose or sugar regulation. Mm-hmm. And if we can't regulate the amount of insulin and the way our body deals with its excess sugar, then we can have an increased risk of developing diabetes.
0: Hmm. Well, that's, that's not good. I mean, you'd like to avoid getting diabetes. Now, what about the immune system? I mean, I really value the immune system. And, and you mentioned that some of these chemicals can affect the immune system.
1: There was a study that showed a link between PFC exposure and a decreased immune response to vaccinations.
0: And we all know how important our vaccines are because they prevent vaccine preventable diseases. So you wouldn't want to mess with the response to vaccines. So these effects, these potential effects, are really scary to think about. But my question is, Is there scientific evidence that there is a real cause for concern versus, like, a potential cause for concern?
1: There is strong scientific evidence.
0: What kind of evidence?
1: So there's lab animal studies.
0: Okay, but we're humans. We're not lab animals. So I, I want something stronger than that.
1: There's also epidemiologic studies.
0: Epidemiologic studies. So those are studies of populations that are maybe comparable, but they have different exposure to these chemicals?
1: Exactly. So it would be like studying one group of people that has had exposure with one that hasn't and measuring these, these side effects.
0: And when you do this, do you actually find that more, more of these food additives and other chemicals, if they're exposed to that, that those populations have more of these increased side effects?
1: Yes. These um, studies have shown that increased exposures result in the increased side effects that we've already
0: discussed. So they're in high enough concentrations to actually cause these concerns? I mean, how much of these chemicals that are in food packaging actually get into food that we eat?
1: There's a high enough concentration that it can affect people.
0: Well, since many of these chemicals are found in plastics, is there a way to tell if the plastics are safe or not?
1: There is! You can look at the recycling code. So this is one of the things that I was really shocked about in preparing for this episode. I actually brought in some recycling from home and in preparing for this Mm -hmm. episode have kind of gone through my recycling. Mm -hmm. So most codes with a three contain phthalates.
0: And so we want to avoid those
1: with a six-contained stearine, and with a seven-contained bisphenol.
0: So three, six, and seven would be ones that we would like to avoid for plastic containers.
1: Exactly. So after I learned this, I went through my whole kitchen, and I pulled out all of my food containers, and I thought, okay, which of these have a three, six, or seven they've got to go? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so here I brought in one. So you can kind of look at the back here.
0: Okay, so I'm looking at it.
1: You're looking at it. And if you can see that triangle, so all mm-hmm. of us know th- that familiar...
0: Yeah, the recycle triangle with the arrows that go around and form a triangle. <laughs> and inside that triangle, in this plastic top to the glass container, it's a, there's a four. And so that's good. And not only that, there's like an extra bonus thing that says BPA free. So that's kind of a great... This seems like a, a healthy one, right?
1: This is a good one. You can see that it's made of glass, so it's not made of plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an added benefit. But I think that that's just a really useful tip that parents can have because, to be honest, I didn't even know that there was a number in that little triangle until I started preparing for this episode. Mm-hmm. So knowing that we need to avoid 3, 6, and 7 is sort of an easy thing most parents can do.
0: Well, this surprises me, Dr. Lena, that you learned something from this, since it seems like I'm the one who usually am the more ignorant one who's usually learning stuff. So that makes me feel a little bit better.
1: Good. I'm glad I could help you on that one.
0: <laughs> okay. So, but let me just ask something else, because a lot of times when we talk about food additives and like government regulation and stuff like that, sometimes I think it's like this liberal European kind of a thing and not really a U.S. thing. I mean, is this a U.S. thing also?
1: No, there's broad scientific consensus worldwide that food additive safety is very important. So this concern comes from the World Health Organization, the United Nations Environment Program, and from other professional medical societies like our organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics, Mm -hmm. the Endocrine Society, and the International Federation of Gynecology and Obstetrics. They all think that this is a really big deal.
0: So are there specific groups of children who may may be more affected by food additives compared to others?
1: Yeah, so all children as a population may be more susceptible because they ingest a relatively higher percentage um, of chemicals per pound. Their little bodies are smaller. Their metabolic systems also aren't as developed, so they might not be able to detoxify some of these chemicals as easily as
0: adults. And uh, are there any other organ systems that, like, in particular, would, might make kids more prone to being affected by these?
1: Yeah, so they're still developing, right? So their brains and their other organs are still undergoing their maturation process and that they can be effective.
0: Are there s- populations that have more exposure than others?
1: Yeah, this is a really tricky one making these recommendations, right? Because our low-income population tends to be the ones that eat a lot of these canned, processed foods because it's what they have access to. So there have been studies that have shown that children with a lower socioeconomic status have more exposures to these additives.
0: And so low-income usually correlates also with minority populations, too. So they're more at risk. Hmm. Yeah. Who in particular is, like, really vulnerable to these food additives?
1: So a developing fetus, so any pregnant moms should really be careful because So
0: they're really the youngest kids, even before they're born. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: And then really young children as well.
0: So what about the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration? Don't they, isn't there like job to take care of us by regulating these food additives?
1: You know, this is something that was really surprising to me as well, because currently there are over 10,000 chemicals that are allowed to be added to our food because they've sort of been grandfathered in, Mm -hmm. and they regard them as generally recognized as safe.
0: Grass. I've I've heard that somewhere. G-R-A-S.
1: So the GRAS, or generally recognized as safe, isn't good enough for several reasons because they haven't looked at the studies that have shown these to be safe to be added into food.
0: Mm -hmm. And who's looking at these studies anyway?
1: What's unfortunate is the FDA currently doesn't have the authority or the oversight to look at these. And so it can't really regulate how safe food additives are for human health.
0: And then I've also heard that um, the food additive manufacturers sometimes are really involved in this process, and that would be like an inherent conflict of interest, right?
1: Exactly. So what we really need to do is the FDA needs to have regulatory authority to update the scientific evidence and oversight of what can be added to our food.
0: So they can't do this right now in terms of their current regulations and stuff.
1: Exactly. Exactly. We also need to replace the generally recognized as safe standard with real data that we have.
0: So this is going to like be like an act of Congress is what's needed.
1: I think that is what's needed at the big overarching level. But there are things that individuals can do to minimize their risks.
0: Okay, but before we get to that, what about chemicals like in pesticides and metals like mercury and GMO, genetically modified foods and organic foods? What about those?
1: These are all very important topics, but I think we need to save them for another episode.
0: Okay. Okay. So you mentioned, so what should parents do like right now?
1: So fresh fruits and vegetables are preferred to canned.
0: Because they're then they're not exposed to the chemicals in the cans.
1: Exactly. And the second choice would be frozen fruits or vegetables or jarred cans or vegetables.
0: And then the, what about meat?
1: So fresh or frozen meat would be preferred to any processed meats that we talked about, like salami, bologna, or hot dogs.
0: Or sausages. Exactly. Yeah, okay. And then what about this stuff about, like, microwave and all? How how does that affect uh, the food additive issue?
1: Heat can cause plastics to leach some of these chemicals that we talked about. So we really recommend against microwaving or, like you know, you're not supposed to put some of those plastics in the dishwasher. It's for that very reason.
0: But the dishwasher does such a great job of getting them clean. (gasps) Well, you
1: just have to do it by hand.
0: (laughs) Okay. Are there materials that are better than plastic to to use to store food?
1: Yeah. Other materials such as glass or stainless steel are preferred.
0: What about ceramics? Are those okay?
1: Yeah, they are.
0: Okay. And then you mentioned the takeout containers, Um, of concern. So you said once you get home, you should transfer from those like those plastic lined cardboard containers?
1: Yeah, I would try and transfer your takeout boxes from whatever they give you to something like a glass container that you have at home.
0: Okay. And remind me of the recycling codes again for plastics, which ones we should avoid?
1: So try to avoid recycling codes with three, six or seven.
0: Are there any that are three, six or seven that you could still use?
1: There are some that would be bio-based or greenware. These are made from corn and don't contain BPs. Bisphenols? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So,
0: so if they, so that, so three, six or seven, if they're labeled bio-based or greenware, then those would be okay. Exactly. Okay. And then what about um, general hygiene practices?
1: So as most parents know, it's important to wash hands before handling foods and drinks, and they should always wash their fruits and veggies if they are not, if they can't be peeled.
0: I think washing hands is a fantastic thing. So that's great. <laughs> and then finally, what what are the most important um, populations that need to follow these recommendations?
1: It's most important to follow these recommendations during pregnancy and then in our young children, because they are the most at risk for these exposures on their developing bodies.
0: So all these recommendations make a lot of sense, but Really this also sounds kind of expensive. It's going to cost more for families to follow these guidelines. So do you have any tips for how to keep children safe and avoiding these food additives without spending so much money?
1: Yeah, I know it can be a big risk and we talked about how some of our minority populations and some of our lower socioeconomic status families can have even more trouble with this. So you can go to farmer's markets. They have a great selection of fruits and vegetables, and they're generally better priced. And a lot of them accept CalFresh or what we have here is SNAP, so Supplemental Nutrition Programs. The
0: benefits programs.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. A lot of frozen fruits and vegetables are also pretty good compared to their canned counterparts. So I would recommend that over canned products
0: Mm -hmm. so that makes sense and then i've noticed that even a lot of the discount stores that they're paying more attention to to this issue
1: yeah it's been great
0: we've been talking about food a lot so it reminds me of a joke
1: oh great (laughs) so
0: what's black white green and bumpy uh i
1: have no idea
0: a pickle wearing a tuxedo What?
1: (laughs) Alright, so that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can find more information about this, including a really great video that describes some of these food additives in a way that parents can understand. It's called Little Things Matter. It's by Bruce Lampier. He had recently talked to our organization at UC Davis and it was great. So we'll post that on our Facebook page.
0: And we'll also see a picture of Dr. Lena's food container, right?
1: Yep, we can post that up there as well. So our Facebook page is. Two, T-W-O, Peds in a Pod, all one word.
0: And please follow us on Twitter at two, underline, Peds. That's the number two, underline symbol, P-E-D-S. Or Instagram at the number two, Peds in a Pod, no spaces.
1: If you have any feedback on this episode, or if you have a topic you would like us to discuss in future episodes, we would love to hear from you. Please call us at 916 916 915-3388 915-3388 or email us at twopedsinapod at gmail.com.
0: Thank you for listening and we hope you will join us for our next episode. Two Peds in a Pod is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.